Please listen carefully. And now, live from the aquarium in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions podcast, featuring two guys napping in a Wookiee's lap, Kevin and Mikey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Assuming Positions podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we continue our Build-A-Crew series we are calling Star Wars All-Stars. The all-stars of Star Wars. So, uh, from time to time, uh, we like to do Build-A-Cruise because you like us to do Build-A-Cruise. You've actually told us that, (laughs) so we appreciate it. This idea came from our producer, not Scott, to do a Star Wars Build-A-Crew, but we decided to do a twist on it. What's the twist, Mikey? Instead of picking specific roles, we're picking from specific Star Wars media. We've done books, we've done video games, and now we're on to a different category. Yes, today we are doing the television Star Wars characters from any and all Star Wars stuff that originally aired on TV. Cartoons or animated programs, whatever they're acceptably called now. But there (laughs) were cartoons. That Ewoks thing from the 80s was a cartoon. True. Uh, There you go. As long as it was broadcast first on TV, we can pick a character from it. So we're building a crew out. So far, we've done literature and video games, and now we are choosing who we want on our crew from television. Yes. And to throw an audible here, we said we we're going to do that, and then we're going to do these three, then we're going to do prequels, sequels, original trilogy, pick a villain I think we should add in. I think we should pick a ship for them to be on. What's your favorite Star Wars ship? I like it. Okay. It, yes. I, and I think just like we say... When we pick a villain, we can't do Darth Vader. When we pick a ship, we can't pick the Millennium Falcon. Too, <laughs> too easy. Too obvious. I got you. Let's make it hard on ourselves. Okay. So I have to, I have to go research some Star Wars ships. Let's, I'm down well, for we're it. We're going to have to. It's going to have to fit a whole crew of people on it. You can't pick an X-Wing unless <laughs> you pick a squadron of X-Wings, but then you have to pick people who know how to fly them. And start our own rogue squadron. No, I'm with yeah. you. I get it. That's great. Look, I just extended I just extended our builder <laughs> crew, so... I hope you guys are liking it, and why wouldn't you? We're having fun with it, so you should have fun with it. Oh, I'm totally down. All right, so Mikey's pulling out his coin, and this this one, oh, what is that, a clone trooper? What's on the other side of the clone trooper head? Uh, not another clone trooper head. Don't pay attention, but I'm calling clone trooper head, and I'm flipping it now, and it came up clone trooper head, so guess what? You I, go first. I go first. Hooray. Surprising nobody. <laughs> Oh, but this is our third pick. This is, they didn't quite make the cut, but uh, we got to pick three people because that's what makes it fun. So uh, for mine, this is TV, but this is a TV special. And I, mm-hmm. and I love every chance I get to talk about this because the fact that this exists just, it makes me happy. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. But I am picking a character from the 1978 Star Wars holiday special. Nah. <laughs> And the specific character I'm picking is Mala, wife to Chewbacca and mother to Lumpy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so first I want to get into, like, I just want to talk about the holiday special just in general because I can't get over the fact that this aired, this, this aired after A New Hope came out, but before Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. It came out in the interim to sort of, I guess tied Star Wars fans over until the next movie came out or to I guess cap- so. Yeah, to capitalize on something. 
but it almost predates the Barbra Streisand effect. They tried to erase the Star Wars special from existence. It never re-ran. It was never released on VHS or any sort of home media. It was just like, we're going to air this once and uh, forget about it. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It's never going to air again. Mm -hmm. I know. It's the whole history of this thing is so crazy, especially the fact that their plan would have worked had the internet not existed and people not kept their recording of it on VHS for 20 freaking years. That's crazy. And, and then like put it on to digital media and then put it out on the internet. But apparently this thing had been circulating on like the Star Wars underground, even on VHS copies for decades. I believe it. Which and is weird to me. I never came across it. I never met any shit. And all the nerd circles I ran in in the 80s and 90s, I never ran into any shady character who was like, hey, man. You ever seen the Star Wars holiday special? You didn't have somebody pull open a trench coat and they had just VHS <laughs> lined inside with the Star Wars holiday special? <laughs> but that's what it is. like. And I think the only reason it was circulated so much is because I, I haven't found the specific interview, but George Lucas was against it. And he just, like, I don't know if it was licensed by him and then he took it back or if it was unlicensed. I haven't gone that far into it, but... They just never wanted it seen again, but Star Wars fans are like, no, this exists, so we're going to keep showing it and showing it. As far as I know, it was one of those deals where they said, hey, we want to do this, and George was like, okay, that's fine. And then after he came out, he went, oh, I need to have better control over my properties. Ah, okay. I think that's what happened, and I think that's kind of why Lucasfilm has had that draconian control over their properties <laughs> since then. It makes sense, and... Yes, if you do go back and watch the 19... I mean, it's from 1978, so there's your lens right there. And if you do go back and watch it, it has, like, animated parts to it. It has a sort of Christmas feel to it. So it is a little wonky, but it's still Star Wars. It's the it's the holiday special, and it's our first instance of Life Day. So, I mean... Yeah. Is it any wonkier than if on Disney Plus they just added those vintage things on there? Not at all. And, yeah. and we tried watching Caravan of Courage, and the <laughs> answer is tried. That is, it's not, that's not any better than the holiday special. Yeah. It's 80s TV acting. <laughs> and I know you know what that means, and some people might not know what that means, but it does mean something. It does, yeah. If you go back and watch 80s TV, it has a specific vibe to it. Absolutely. Yeah. But my character that I'm picking from this is Mala, who is... I didn't know Chewbacca had a wife, but apparently he does, so... <laughs> and a kid and a grandpa. He does, so... What's interesting, though, is that, like, they actually put a whole story to it. Like, it, it, like, like I said, the holiday special, it does tie around Life Day, which is a celebration, kind of like Christmas, but in Star Wars terms. And then uh, Mala is the one that brings everybody together because she's trying to get Chewbacca and Han to come to Kashyyyk, the Wookiee homeland. And she has to talk to Luke Skywalker and Boba Fett shows up a little bit indirectly. But it's Mala. She's the Wookiee mom. I mean, I love Chewbacca. I felt it was a little too obvious to pick Chewbacca as one of the characters because, he, you know, he's one of the front lines. So that seems like a cop out. But uh, the wife of Chewbacca, she's a Wookiee mom. And she really can't make dinner. If you do watch the special, she burns dinner. <laughs> but uh, she does bring everybody together. And she she does get the mission accomplished that everybody, uh, you know, shows up for Life Day. So if if she's a mom and she's a Wookiee, that, that's kind of like a twofer. Like, that's that's a teammate I want. She's going to be 
persistent and Wookie strong. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want Wookie mo- strong. Wookie strong. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's gonna bash somebody over the head, but also scream out with joy, just like Chewbacca, but in the awesome mom form. And their son's name is Lumpy. Like, how do you get a Wookie name? You go Chewbacca. You got Mala, and then Lumpy. Really? But, no, I'm not. I'm not a Wookie, so I can't judge. I don't speak Kashyyyk. So whatever. It must be the translated name because I don't think Chewbacca could even say the word lumpy. <laughs> lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. So yeah, I, uh, Mala is my third pick really just because I wanted to bring up the holiday special <laughs> to keep it yeah. in popular culture. But also, I mean, Wookiee Mom, how can you go wrong? Maybe they'll put it up there with the Star Wars vintage someday. I don't know. It seems like Filoni and Favreau, they brought Life Day into The Mandalorian. They mentioned it in The Mandalorian. It seems like they're trying to do stuff. If Filoni gets far enough into George Lucas's good graces that he's able to do like a reboot or a, a, a sequel to the holiday special, oh man, I'll, I'll, I'll watch that day, day one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe fandom softening on that kind of stuff. So maybe George will too. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I know he sold it everything, but I think he still might have a lot of say. So, all right. Well, speaking of Filoni, and the reason why this character is in third place and not higher is kind of his fault. <laughs> okay. He got me excited and then unexcited. But then there's also a theme between my picks. But I like for it. my number three pick, I'm picking a character from the Clone Wars, the Rebels, and apparently he's going to appear in Bad Batch. And the reason why I was excited about him is he was supposed to kind of maybe was sort of going to be in Return of the Jedi retconned in a way. But we'll discuss that and why I'm grumpy. It's Captain Rex. Yes. Formerly known as CT-7567, the, one of the clone troopers. And you know his clone a, number. I'm impressed. That's awesome. I just wrote it down. I just looked it up. <laughs> um, but it's not as easy to remember as his buddy Fives, who we'll talk about a little bit. CT-5555. <laughs> Wait, five, five, five. Yeah, that's the, that's the right. Four fives. So Captain Rex is a really cool character. There's he ha, He's such a major player in the Clone Wars and Rebels. And he's the captain in the 501st, which is Anakin Skywalker's unit, clone trooper unit. And then he becomes the commander of it. So he's Anakin Skywalker's second in command. He's super important okay. in, in the Clone Wars series. He's a really good commander. Um, oh, by the way, voiced by all the clones are voiced by D. Bradley Baker doing a Timu Morrison impression, pretty much. And <laughs> if you've heard, if you go, D. Bradley Baker, that sounds familiar. It should. He's one of like the legendary voice artists that we have out there and does tons of stuff. Yep. And tons of stuff, namely every single clone animated trooper you've ever heard. So <laughs> that's quite a job. There's millions of them and I have to do their voices. So Rex was a, is a clone of Jango Fett created for the Republic in the war with the separatists that we all know from the prequels he was based on this is when Filoni Dave Filoni was doing the Clone Wars and animating it and he said like he wanted him to be like almost a chip off the Jango Fett block so he has the two blasters like you like he, he's a dual blaster wielder nice. um, whereas a lot of the other troopers don't but he's an officer so he gets to have special kit <laughs> and he's just steadfast loyal he cares about his troops though uh, he's kind of because of his position in the story, he's kind of like the voice of all the clone troopers in a lot of ways. I so you. you learn about clone troopers through Captain Rex, through watching the Clone Wars cartoon. 
And the thing, the cool thing about Rex is he's the he's the consummate. He's very like Captain Republic, like a Captain America. He's like Captain Republic. He's that you. kind of yeah. guy. I got you. Uh, loyal and true and steadfast. But the neat thing that happens is because of what happens in Star Wars with the clone troopers ending up having an execute order 66 and finding out that they're actually kind of on the wrong side of things mm-hmm. because of the emperor and everything. We get to see it through his eyes, this whole existential crisis. And it is that there's a whole storyline in Clone Wars. And I'm going to just go ahead and spoil it because things have been out so long <laughs> that you should have seen it by now. But they explain why the clone troopers were programmed to turn and they have like basically a chip in their head that when Order 66 happens, they will kill Jedi, even though they were their generals, and betray them. And Fives is, there's the whole storyline where Fives is the guy who finds the chip, and they figure out how to disable it, and there's a whole storyline in the Clone Wars where Rex is with Ahsoka, and Order 66 happening, and he disables the chip so he doesn't end up killing her. And then that leads to Ahsoka getting away. That explains how Ahsoka gets away. That explains how he gets away. And then both of them show up in the Rebels uh, animated series. So he's even more in Rebels. So this time he's older and bearded. and (laughs) He's hanging out with a couple of the other clone troopers who got away from Order 66. They disabled their chips as well. And they're critical to the beginning of the the Rebellion. So now here's the cool thing that... This is why he would be higher if they would confirm this, but they didn't confirm this. At one point, Filoni is there at a convention, and he says, I think that when you watch Return of the Jedi, one of the Endor troopers is this white bearded guy who looks just like our animation of Captain Rex in the face. Yeah, yeah. And he says, that character in the movie was credited because Star Wars does a good job of naming everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucas was good about that. His his name is Sant, and I don't know if that's because he looks like Santa Claus, uh, but <laughs> I have no idea. But anyway, Filoni said, and I ha- really have the quote, he said that, I really do think Rex is that guy on Endor. I really do. Why else would there be a bearded old guy on Endor? It makes no sense. If you don't want that to happen, do you know what that means? I'm going to make that happen. I'm getting like Palpatine. I'm going power crazy, you know? <laughs> so everyone was like, oh, wow, they reconned it. That character who no one cared about, just some old bearded guy, who cares that his name was Sant? Now, yeah. he, if you say he's Captain Rex, he's Captain Rex. That's awesome. Then also, too, in the Rebels series finale, they confirmed that they said, they didn't confirm, they said that Rex and Hera fought in the Battle of Endor. So okay. everyone was like, oh, so now they are saying it's Rex. Yeah, yeah. But then when they later asked Filoni, he said, no, I feel uncomfortable with going and changing the name of a named character that was in one of the movies. So I don't want to say it's that. So now I'm like, well, what? so now you're saying he's not? I want him to be Captain Rex. <laughs> so you get demoted to third pick because you would have been a great first pick or second pick even. But no, I want Rex to be that guy in Endor. And I don't understand why they don't want to change it because they changed that fake Wedge thing. I don't know if you know about fake Wedge, but there was one actor who was going to play Wedge okay. in the movies. And he was the guy initially who was in the briefing room and he's talking to Luke. That was supposed to be Wedge. Oh, really? And he kind of looked oh, yeah, like yeah, Wedge, yeah. but then they replaced him. The guy couldn't remember his line. He got fired, basically. <laughs> So they replaced him with Dennis Lawson, the guy who actually played Wedge, for the rest of the movie. Okay. But that character's never named. No one ever says Wedge to that guy. 
So when we're watching it, when we were kids, we just assumed that was another guy who kind of looked like Wedge. Yeah, why but not? he was meant to be Wedge. So when they did the Certain Point of View book, they did a book called The Certain Point of View recently that kind of messed with some stuff. And no one knows if it's canon or not. It's so weird. <laughs> but one of the things that's in there is they wrote a whole story about this guy who everyone in the squadron called Fake Wedge because people kept mistaking him for a wedge because they look similar. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It, it's great. I'm surprised they don't call him Fedge, though, because that seems yeah. like an internet thing to do. Be like, it's Fake Wedge, so his new name is Fedge. But anyway, Captain Rex, you would have been great. You're a great leader. You care about your troops. You know what to do when right and wrong. You'll disable your chip because you know that's not right to take out your leaders and generals. But you should be there on Endor. And so you're being penalized for Filoni not sticking to his guns. <laughs> Take and saying, that, I'm Dave doing Filoni. It. Yeah. I don't care what you say. I'm doing it. Because <laughs> he should have done it. I, I, I really think what happened was because he was so into it. And at the end of Rebels, that's his show too. They say that he was there on Endor. I'm telling you, someone at Lucasfilm got to him. And I was like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> no, seriously. I believe it. I think it might have been like a little little meeting he had with Kathleen Kennedy or something going, hey, hey, now. <laughs> hey, hey, now, cowboy hat. Yeah, take it down. Just You're at 11. We need you at about a nine. Yeah. <laughs> but because of Rex and his chip, doesn't that mean that we'll see Rex in the Bad Batch because he is part of that crew or no? No, he's not part of that crew. Oh, okay. But he, because he was a normal high-level clone trooper. Okay. But... But because the Bad Batch is Clone Wars related, yep. and it probably starts off, he's probably in it in some, I don't know how he's going to be in it, but he's he's too important of a character to clones, basically. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, he's kind of Captain Clone, Captain Republic, whatever. Yeah. He's just the, the representative of the clones. Well, even if they mention him in the Bad Batch, maybe it'll make up for the hijinks and shenanigans of the Battle of Endor and movie appearance of Bearded Rex. So I, yeah. I look forward to at least hearing his name. So we'll see how it I goes. Just don't, I just don't see what the problem is. Make him Rex. Who cares? <laughs> it hurts are there nobody. Really, yeah. I know. Are there really people that are that upset? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Can you imagine being that person, though, that's really upset? Like, that's not Rex! Yes, he yeah. has a beard, but they're two different people. It's like, uh, calm down. He was given a different name by George Lucas. <laughs> he was uh, somebody Sands. He's Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Captain Rex is great. But also, speaking of Clone Wars, we're leading nicely into my second pick, because my pick also comes from Star Wars Clone Wars, the animated TV show. But I'm doing a little bit of justice. I I'm trying to correct some of the fan service, because I am picking Jar Jar Binks. Take that, haters. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks animated form. I know. Is he in the Clone Wars cartoons? I don't even remember. He's in the first couple seasons um, because that, we'll get into the main reason why, which is why he's second pick. But Jar Jar Binks is in the Clone Wars because he's sort of the he's the assistant. He's the aide to Princess Amidala, Queen Amidala. That's right. That's yeah. right. Or Senator Amidala, depending on what part of the storyline you're in. But Jar Jar Bings is most popular in the prequels movies. You know, he's portrayed by uh, Ahmad Best, who I, I want to give a shout out to him because he's kind of one of the casualties of the negative fan base right when the prequels came out. Mm -hmm. Jake Lloyd got a little bit of it. Hayden Christensen got a little bit of it. And Ahmad Best got a little bit of it because people were really grumpy about the prequels for whatever unnecessary reason that seems silly right now, you know, in the future. Yes, it is silly. I was one of those people. I apologize. 
But hey, you've learned, you've grown, you've matured. So hopefully the rest of the fan base can catch up with you. But he played, I mean, Jar Jar Bings. Yes, we all know Jar Jar Bings. Me's a big doo-doo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me's a bad. It's, like, everybody knows that voice. But I think we were talking in our video game episode, there's a quality to Star Wars. You need that comedic element. You need a little bit of lightheartedness. You need a little bit of comedy and silliness to balance out, like, the fact that it's light versus dark and empire versus republic. You know, you need a little bit of the silliness to balance out the heaviness of this opera. Jar Jar Binks is perfect for that. Even better for Jar Jar Binks, and this is the reason I pick him as my second pick, is there's... I'm going to get kind of literature here for a minute, but he's kind of a Don Quixote in that... (laughs) I'm serious. He makes things go right by doing things wrong. He he inadvertently solves problems by being a clumsy mess up. Like he he stumbles, he crashes into people, he says the wrong things, but it leads to the right thing happening. So he doesn't he's not a good character because he knows the solution, but he's clumsy enough to have the solution come up despite him. And I kinda love everything about that. <laughs> But it's Jar Jar Binks, so I don't know if his Don Quixote-ness is that he's Force-sensitive. There's the theory out there on the internet that uh, Jar Jar Binks is a secret Sith. I'm not, <laughs> I, w- I won't get into that. But Jar Jar Binks, he's a Gungan. He's been in the Gungan military. Like I said, he was the aide to uh, Senator Amidala. And then when uh, Amidala goes away, he becomes a senator himself, which, spoiler alert, leads to why he's second pick because... If you do look at Jar Jar Binks' history, he is actually responsible for the Clone Wars happening because because he gives Emperor Palpatine, he's one of the ones that passes the, I guess it's the the regulation or the order that gives Palpatine his powers and allows Mm -hmm. him to unleash the clone army. So unfortunately, thank you, Jar Jar Binks. You're the reason why the Clone Wars happens. But aside from that, you're great. I love you. <laughs> he he's the reason there's a truce between Naboo and the Gungans. He's like he's mistaken for a Jedi. He's been in the role of a king and gotten away with it. So many people have confused him for a better character than he is, but he always gets away with it. Oh, and it's I mean, Jar Jar Binks. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard it here. Mikey actually loves Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, for some of the Clone Wars episodes, he was voiced by Phil Lamar, uh, an old-school uh, alumni of Mad TV. I mean, not only is he portrayed in motion capture by a good, uh, good actor, he's voiced by a good actor, so the history is there. The history is there, yeah. I still am not the biggest fan of Jar Jar, but whatever. <laughs> But that's why I'm shouting him out to give him some justice. I know he's not he's not anybody's first pick, so I kind of had to go against the grain and be punk rock and be like Jar Jar Binks uh-huh. is one of my at least second picks, not first pick, <laughs> because he did bring about the Clone Wars. So I can't really support that as a team member. Be like, hey, <laughs> if you're gonna make mistakes, maybe don't have it be the actual creation of the Empire, you know? Uh, but aside from that, yeah, he's he's on my team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar so, Binks. Hey, man. The dude told the story he wanted to tell. That's all I got to say. Exactly. All right. My number two is not from Clone Wars. My number two is from the next animated series that came. Well, maybe that wasn't directly which came out after it. But anyway, related to it is from Star Wars Rebels, a show that I like a lot. Yes. I liked it a lot more than 
I thought I would have. But from Star Wars Rebels, I'm picking someone else who uses two blasters. <laughs> There's a theme here. I'm picking Sabine Wren, the human female Mandalorian, who's one of the Rebels and part of the Ghost crew. Yes. Sabine's voiced by actress Tia Sirkar. And she's so the this is why I like Sabine. Sabine is literally all the girls I went to art school with, but a Mandalorian warrior. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Because that's what the character's made like. The, she's super artistic. She does all this gra- cool graffiti. Part of her backstory, or part, not backstory, but part of the story is, is that her like symbol, her tag, her graffiti tag is the starbird, which ends up becoming the symbol of the rebellion. Oh, nice. So that was like her that she was tagging that on stuff. Because from the ashes, the, it's supposed to be like a phoenix. From the ashes, the starbird rises. It's because Mandalore was conquered by the Empire. That was her whole deal. So mm-hmm. she's one of the main characters of Rebels. She was a bounty hunter who got recruited to the Rebellion by Hera, who's the commander of the whole little rebel cell they have. So Rebels is a fun show. It kind of shows the very beginning of the rebellion against the Empire and all these kind of little rebel cells that were separate growing up. And then the move by Princess Leia and some of the other bigger players that we know to bring them all together to form one single big rebellion. So uh, basically, you know, these separate embers of rebellion are happening all over the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And then they get brought together by like Bail Organa, Princess Leia's dad, and all that kind of stuff. So that all plays through. That's the basic premise. Rebels is also great because it introduces Thrawn back into canon. Mm -hmm. And he's played so well. So it's fun. This is where you get the Darksaber, Sabine's, Super critical on the Darksaber storyline, which ends up in the Mandalorian eventually, too, because it's all Mandalorian related. And this Rebels, there's a whole big Mandalorian world building in Clone Wars and then even more so in Rebels. Because Dave Filoni, who's the head of both of these things, is was kind of just given the mantle by Lucas to kind of backfill the story of the Mandalorians. And then he just keeps doing it up until even now. It continues with him doing The Mandalorian as a show, and now that new Boba Fett show that's going to be coming out. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's really cool. So through Sabine, we get to see, learn more about... I just really like Mandalorians. I think they're <laughs> really cool. And I, it was cool to see this Mandalorian who's... She's got this crazy painted armor because they can do whatever they want with their armor. So she's artistic. So she's got all this cool stuff going on. She's constantly changing the way it looks. There's fun things in there that... There's, I don't know if you're familiar with Sabine's TIE fighter. They capture a TIE fighter and then mm-hmm. she paints it up. Okay. She paints it to look like basically a, uh, you can buy the toy and stuff. She paints it, it looks like a race car, I guess. I don't know what you'd call it, but the starship racing, they do starship racing, I'm sure. Yeah. And she just painted it up like a starship racer, but it was a TIE fighter. It's all colorful mm-hmm. and has checkers on it and oh, stuff like great. that. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. So it's cool looking. And they call it Sabine's TIE fighter, even though I don't think she can fly a TIE fighter and but she can fly. She's flown stuff. But does she have a Starbird, Starfire like logo on her, or is that just yes. something? Okay, she does. It's stylized. It looks a little different than what they end up using. But you can see where the bones are there. And okay. and any time they would do like a, a rebel action or a terrorist action, if you're on the <laughs> side of the Empire, she tag that places. Kind of like we're there. I got you. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like I said, she grew up as a Mandalorian. Have you watched Rebels? I have not. I, I'm up to speed on Clone Wars, but Rebels is my next stop. 
So I have not seen okay. the actual cartoon, though. I'll go over it lightly, basically. But yeah. she grew up as a Mandalorian, and Mandalore was under the rule of the Empire that time. And some of the Mandalorians had, like, bought in. And there's this cool kind of, like, Imperial-aligned Mandalorian armor. Okay. That looks basically, it's kind of what looks like a cross between Stormtrooper armor and Clone Trooper armor, because Clone Troopers kind of look like Jango Fett. I don't know, it's really cool looking <laughs> with the jetpacks and stuff. Yep, uh, makes sense. So basically, so she had gone to the Imperial Academy, but then started, just, it's one of those classic things. It's hard to keep your conscience straight when you're enjoying the Empire. You think good stuff's happened and then you start finding out what's going on. <laughs> And then, you know, you turn in because of that, she was in like a weapons program because she's actually really talented at munitions and weapons building and stuff like that. Okay. But basically, she turned her back on it and therefore her family was very loyal to the Empire. So she turned on her back on her clan. So she had to just basically get shunned. So she had to find work as a bounty hunter, then join this rebel cell. And the rest is history. The biggest part of her storyline is when they're going after Darth Maul at some point, because Darth Maul was the ruler of Mandalore at some point. And she comes across the Dark Saber and yeah. realizes what it is and realizes the key to the rule of Mandalore. And she's integral in the whole Dark Saber storyline in Rebels. It opens up all these questions that there's a lot of her dealings with Ahsoka. Ahsoka's part of the Rebels at the time. And there's things happening in this new Mandalorian show that directly relate to what happened in Rebels that have not fully been resolved yet. That's because a, Yeah, that's one yeah. of the things I heard is watching the Mandalorian and then going back to find the Easter eggs or whatever. The whole Darksaber and like if you take it, you're the ruler of Mandalore. But if like it's given to you, then it has like a curse to it. And then that's the first time I ever heard Sabine's name was because of the Mandalorian TV show. And it's like... This has already happened before, and I'm like, wait, who's Sabine, and why does the Darksaber matter? Yeah, you should watch it, because the thing is that confused everyone is Sabine had control of the Darksaber. They told her she could rule Mandalore with it. She said, I'm no ruler. She gave it to Bo-Katan. Ah, okay. And now we find in Rebels, here's Bo-Katan after it. So people are really excited that like, there's a lot of, are we going to see Sabine? Who are they going to cast? Are they going to use the actress who voiced her? Because I think she's the right age enough that she could do it and the right look enough that she could do it. Mm -hmm. She'd have to dye her hair some crazy colors because that's what Sabine did because she's <laughs> an art school kid. Uh, <laughs> that's the main reason why Sabine over Rex, even without the weird retcon stuff that makes me upset. I, I take Sabine over Rex as a dual-wielding Mandalorian armored character because she has so... I get so excited thinking about oh, I hope she shows up in future editions of The Mandalorian. Because when Ahsoka showed up, you wonder where she is because at the end, spoiler, everybody, <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of Rebels, Ahsoka and Sabine are together and leave together on a mission. Oh. So when, if Ahsoka shows up in live action, you're like, where's Sabine? Exactly. She has to be somewhere. And if we're seeing Ahsoka, is Sabine orbiting the planet in a ship? Where is she? That she's got to be a part of it because they were both looking for Admiral Thrawn, which we find out that's what Ahsoka is looking for because Admiral Thrawn disappeared with the Jedi Ezra Bridger, one of the last Jedis that was left. There you go. So and it's going to be interesting to see. Interesting to see, absolutely. And now that we're getting a live action Ahsoka Tano, her own show, yeah, I mean, that's, see? The that, that's the perfect place for her to show up. Uh, yeah. But also, isn't there like, isn't she like the love interest of Obi-Wan as well? So maybe she might show up in Obi-Wan. That's action? actually, no, that's 
Bo-Katan's sister. Oh, I had it wrong. Okay, the internet lied yeah. to me. That's my fault. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Sabine's not involved in any of that stuff. But she might be in Ahsoka. That's awesome. Yes, that's my hope. But she's not my number one because there is someone else who uses two blasters. Actually, a third one. Uh-oh. And we'll get to that after your first pick. What's your first pick, Mikey? I, I think we're pulling from the same media because as cool as Star Wars TV is, there really isn't too much Star Wars TV at the moment. But we keep bringing up Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, Bad Batch. They're going to be putting out a whole bunch more Star Wars TV. So I'll say this right now that I'm excited that there's more TV Star Wars coming. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But now I will celebrate the fact that we have The Mandalorian. We have two seasons of it. And as far as TV goes, not just Star Wars, as far as TV goes, The Mandalorian is awesome. Yes. So, Great television. Uh, so I had my number one pick had to come from that just because I was so enthralled from the series. Uh, last week I had picked Arvel Crichton. I brought him back from the dead to sort of give him justice. He did destroy the Death Star 2, and I wanted to give him recognition from that and sort of bring him back to life. In The Mandalorian, there's a character that I thought was killed off unfairly, and so for my Star Wars All-Stars, I'm bringing him back to life, and I'm bringing back Quill. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the appropriate way to say it, but he's the Ugnaught. He's voiced by Nick Nolte, number one, awesome, but also he's portrayed in a live-action actual in the costume by Misty Rosas, so shout-out to her. And then one little trivia fact that I have in my note, Misty Roses not only played Quill, but she also played the Frog Lady. I didn't know she pulled double duty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Frog Lady, that little jerk, Grogu. <laughs> oh, eating her all her eggs. But shout out to Misty Roses for playing both Frog Lady and Quill. But Quill is one of my favorite characters from The Mandalorian Season 1. Unfortunately, he did die. Spoiler alerts. If you haven't seen Season 1, then what are you doing? You're, you're way late to the game. <laughs> Quill was such a great character because he, like a a couple of the characters we've been talking about, he's been on the dark side. He's been on the light side. The reason he was on the dark side is because he got forced into indentured servitude by the Empire. But instead of being, like, I guess rebellious against it or fighting against it, he earned his freedom with the skill of his hands and the labor of three human lifetimes. That's 300 years. <laughs> How old do Ugnaughts live? How old is Quill? Oh, yeah. We don't know. Right. That, that's why I want him as a teammate, because he, he uses his skill and labor to achieve what he wants, which in the Mandalorian show is, you know, living on a moisture farm and just dealing with the crazies that come through, like Jin Djarin and Grogu and all that stuff, but... Quill himself is is kind of a Yoda to me. He has all the wisdom, you know. He's a recluse that's living on a faraway planet, out away out away from everybody, just because he wants his farm and his simple life. So I am gonna drag him on my team. But the benefits is not only is he good with a blaster, but he knows how to ride and train blurgs. <laughs> blurg, blurg, <laughs> blurgs, blurgs, and he knows how to reprogram droids. Uh, IG-11 was shot and killed by Jin Djarin, but comes back in the form of a nanny slash maid for Grogu. Yeah. Purely because Quill is like, yeah, I reprogrammed him and I put him back into commission, but I also made him sort of, I took away his killing tendencies. So, I mean, come on, that's just smarts right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but Quill for like most fans of the Mandalorian is known for his, I have spoken. So I kind of want that old grumpy man on my team when like... 
the rest of the teammates are squabbling or be like, we should go here or we should go there. Quill's like, I have spoken. We're going here. And everybody's like, oh, okay, fine. I get it. You grumpy Ugnot. That's where we're going. <laughs> so Quill, voiced by Nick Nolte, played by Misty Rosas, one of my favorite characters from The Mandalorian Season 1. That is my first pick for my Star Wars All-Star TV team. Nice. You have spoken. You should have said you have spoken. I have spoken. I should have <laughs> said that. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number one pick will probably come as no surprise to anyone, really. And it is from the same, very same show, The Mandalorian. I knew it. Because I have chosen this actor before in some other things, but from another show that he was in. And we've talked about this character at length, too. But so well done. One of our favorites, Migs Mayfeld, played by the great Bill Burr. Yes. From The Mandalorian, from Space Boston, as we <laughs> like to say. Who is the only reason Space Boston exists is because Bill Burr exists in Star Wars. I love it. It's so fun. The, the best for the, the background of this is almost as good as him being in it as well as because he, he does such a good job. But uh, Mikey and I are both big fans of Bill Burr. We've said this before. We've seen him live in concert together mm-hmm. on a, a team building mission. <laughs> <laughs> so call it that. And we listen to his podcast that he does. He has a bunch of them out there and they're all fun to listen to because he's great. But in the podcast, he's told the story of how he got the role. And the role is almost a gag in itself as far as him getting it, not the role. But the fact that this role existed, they needed some kind of like wisecracking mercenary who's kind of uh, on a criminal element. They had this character uh, in The Mandalorian. John Favreau thought, oh, you know who'd be great to play this? Bill Burr, because we know he can do it. He was in Breaking Bad, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the greatest shows of all time. So we should get this. And he was at a birthday party, and Jon Favreau was there, and he came up to him. He goes, hey, I want you to be in this new Star Wars thing I'm doing. (laughs) And Bill was like, I can't do a Star Wars thing. He goes, I only make fun of Star Wars. And he goes, and then Jon Favreau goes, yeah, it'd be funny. Then he didn't want to do it, and his wife's like, are you crazy? You're being offered... (laughs) To be in a Star Wars thing, yep. you go do it. And he was like, okay, I'll do it. And then he had a great experience with it, which is the best. I believe it. But also, like, Bill Burr is on record. Like, there's so many podcast episodes where he's talked about it. I think he may have done it in a special as well. But he's rallied against nerd media. He's like, oh, you yeah, nerds yeah, yeah. with your comic books and your movies and your superheroes and your Star Wars. Like, yeah. it's oh, it's, it's hilarious. It's really funny. But, hey, he's got a good sense of humor about it because he has a good sense of humor because he's a comedian. <laughs> and he fits so perfectly in The Mandalorian. He does. So he's in an episode in season one, an episode in season two, or part one or part two, or whatever they're calling him nowadays. We're just going to call him seasons because it's easier for us because it's how we grew up. <laughs> um, but when we first meet him, Jin Jarn's running into an old crew that he used to run with and do things that were kind of nefarious with. And they're doing another mission, which ends up being a breakout of one of the gang members from a New Republic prison ship. Yep. And Migs Mayfeld is the head of this crew. He's a human male mercenary. He used to be a sharpshooter in the Imperial Army. And when Jin Jarns told that, he's like, oh, a sharpshooter in the Imperial Army? Hmm. And then one of the first, the first best lines out of Bill Burr's mouth is, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. <laughs> Perfect Star Wars and perfect Bill Burr. Yes, it's perfect Star Wars, perfect Bill Burr. And the perfect, I love how Favreau and crew acknowledge all the, it's it's very much wink to the fans. Like, 
stormtroopers can't shoot straight. Get mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I know explaining a joke doesn't make the joke funny, but <laughs> I wanted to explain that because it's hilarious. It's hilarious to think that people in the world itself realize that stormtroopers can't shoot straight. Oh, yeah. It's not even the fans. It's actual, this, like, I think there was an episode later in that series in the, in season one where the stormtroopers are, like, aiming at a can on the ground and they're trying yeah, to yeah, shoot yeah, it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I think our blasters are broken. Yeah, they he's, like, shaking they, it. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> so they're acknowledging it in-universe. That's great. Yeah. So uh, they go on this mission and it's, it's kind of, it's he's so Bill Burr-like. They basically cast to the character, mm-hmm. you know, the, which, as we've said many, many times on the podcast, it always works out so well when you're looking for, you know, that specific, this is what the character's like. Well, let's find someone like the character as opposed to, you know, there's those people out there like the Daniel Day Lewis's that can totally like be like a blank piece of paper and become whoever. Uh, yep. But. That's not Star Wars doesn't need that kind of stuff. <laughs> no. And if you're hiring Bill Burr and you don't give him at least a couple quips or one liners or retorts like to somebody like yeah. arguing with him, then you're doing something wrong because that's what Bill Burr does. And he has so right. many of those. So this is the, this is where we learn when they're on that mission on this this prison ship and there's some fighting being done. There's there he is. He's got his two blaster pistols in each hand, mm-hmm. just like Sabine, just like Captain Rex. And then here comes another robotic armed one popping up over his shoulder. So he's got three blasters instead of two. That's awesome. So it's three times the firepower in a Bilber package. How can that go wrong? <laughs> and it's also cool too that whole like blaster on the pot tripod thing reminded me so much of one of my other loves, Warhammer Forty Thousand. Yes, where. They have tech marines who have these servo harnesses that have all these arms that come off the back of them. And one of the arms always has like a weapon on it. Gotcha. So it was like a servo. I was like, oh, it's a servo harness. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about? It's a servo harness. But just Let me talk about an even more obscure nerd <laughs> property. I'm, I'm going to get real nerdy here. So like I get that it's a robot blaster and I love that Bill Burr has three blasters because – absolutely give Bill Burr all the blasters he wants, but are we to assume that's like it's attached to his spine and he's controlling it with his mind? How does that robot how does that robot blaster work? Is it just like robotics, Star Wars magic, or like how do uh, I don't get it. I don't know. Well from what from what I read in my research, it shoots wherever his other blasters are shooting. Oh, it's a targeting thing. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So it must be hooked up to like the tips of one of his other blasters or something like that. Oh, or I love it. tips of both of them or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, three blasters. How are you going to compete with that? Oh, perfect. <sighs> so that whole prison break, it goes right because they get the person out, but then it goes wrong because Jin Jarn doesn't take to them actually murdering one of the rebel guards on there. Yep. Not rebels. They're not rebels anymore. They've won. So they're Republic. <laughs> I always get a mix up. <laughs> Well, because they still look like rebel guys because they didn't, it's so close to the movies. Yep. And then that's when we get the cool thing where he's, it's like a, almost they're homaging to Aliens or Predator or one of those, that universe movie where Jin Jarn's going around picking them off. Mm-hmm. And we think that, you know, at first we were like, how dark is this show? Did he kill them all? But then we find out he just all threw them in a prison cell <laughs> uh, and, and left him there. So we ultimately don't know his fate until the next time we see him where we find out that he has been sentenced for 50 years. It's 50 years hard labor, basically. And he's working in this junkyard where they're cutting up old ships from the war. (laughs) 
He's in a junkyard doing service. That's hilarious. Yeah, he's cutting up an old TIE fighter. And then when the guard robot comes up, he literally gives you, I'm, I'm working over here. I'm, I'm working over here. Yeah. He's like, you're free to go. He's like, wait, what did I do wrong? Wait, no. You're saying I can go somewhere? No. What did I do wrong? Yeah, so ultimately he's busted. He's not even busted out. They do it legally. They get him out of prison because they need him to try and find where Moff Gideon's gone with Grogu. Mm -hmm. Stick with me here, everybody. I'm not going to explain every beat of the season. Go watch it. But Grogu gets kidnapped and the Mandalorian doesn't know what to do anymore. He knows he's with an Imperial and needs access to Imperial knowledge. And the only Imperial he knows that he has a one-up on is Miggs Mayfeld. So Who is familiar and he's like, oh, the little green guy? Yeah, we'll help him out. Yeah, the little green guy. So this is really where I think everyone fell in love with Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfeld. He was great in season one, but in season two, they gave him so much more to chew on. I think a lot of it had to do with, let's go behind the scenes here. Bill Burr did that Pete Davidson movie in between that and now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so he like literally had like a big giant role that really tested his acting chops and so coming off of that i think they're like oh the more you do the more they'll give you basically i get it and it's just the whole <laughs> he is so bilberry the whole like look at this ray of sunshine over here type stuff <laughs> and the whole kind of like little road trip he has with Jinjarin. it's like a little mini road trip <laughs> with the two of them and he he asks the question everyone's been asking for two seasons like so the helmet thing is it that you can't take it off or you can't see your face because <laughs> there's a difference it's yeah. one of the two yeah. yeah is it morals or is it principle because i gotta know because i'm bill burr so i'm gonna bug you about it yeah and you know he kind of explains in a very smart way that hey you and i are not that different mm -hmm. and then that type of stuff it's really well done but then we get the whole great scene where they are on that road trip delivering those fuel cells. And it's an Imperial mining facility that's still active because in The Mandalorian, they're doing that thing that's in New Canon now where the Empire fell, but there's still tons of pockets of it because the galaxy is a big place. Mm -hmm. So there's still Imperial-controlled worlds that haven't been cleaned up yet. So there's a secret mining facility, and they're in these big giant juggernauts delivering this very volatile stuff, and there's space pirates trying to get it and all this kind of stuff and it, it's it's great it's a, and all bill burr's like right in there with it the whole time Miggs mayfeld is in i have to call him his character name because i'm picking the character Miggs mayfeld's <laughs> in it the whole time complaining but getting the he's it's funny because i wouldn't say he's cool under fire because he's not cool under fire nope but he's getting the job done so it's funny to me because i previously picked shriv for my video game character so i think yeah. the two of them would be hilarious together because Shriv has that like deadpan humor mm -hmm. whereas Migs Mayfield <laughs> has that kind of like like ah, I can't believe you're doing this what's going on what are you doing you know it's like a whole different type of a uh, manic humor I guess what do you call it yeah but he's the voice of everybody that like if you have a complaint while you're doing a job yes you may get the job done or yes you may do the work that you're assigned to do but you always have that thing you want to say, and Bill Burr slash Miggs Mayfield is going to say it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Shriv will probably appreciate it and have a deadpan response to it. So I get that. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I think it would be really funny. You're kind of a straight man in a lot of ways. <laughs> and then we get the whole Miggs, the yeah, Miggs Mayfield showdown with that the, the only redneck Imperial officer I've ever seen in the cafeteria. 
Ugh, yeah, that's, that's Valen Hess is his name. And the coolest thing is, is that what came from it, and I sent it to you, they have a Bill Burr shot first shirt <laughs> that you can buy that's written in the Star Wars font. So great. It's so great because in that scene, he just oh. starts shooting. Yeah. It's really funny because that whole thing goes sideways because of uh, his poor decision. But again, he still gets the job done. Like, they do still get away. Spoiler alert, I guess. But Bill Burr shoots his mouth off, shoots his blaster off, and they still come out on top. And then we actually get to see, they made sure they put in there, you get to see the skill of his sharpshooting. He gets a, a sniper rifle from Boba Fett and basically blows up the entire facility with one well-placed shot. One bullet, and he, he destroys an entire mining facility or refinery? Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's just that's just character comeuppance right there. Yeah, it's very interesting. This one whole episode had a whole arc of him going from, he kind of found the good side over there. Well, Jin Jarden had his whole arc where he kind of finds some freedom over there. It's very interesting. Like, mm-hmm. they should, they both changed each other the two characters. So it'll be interesting to see. So Migs Mayfield is my number one pick because he's Bill Burr <laughs> and he's got three blasters instead <laughs> of two. And I just want him around and wisecracking. And it'll be really, it's really funny because I got Wedge and I got yes. who's, who's this steadfast, super uber pilot. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going to keep everything stable and on track. And then we got basically the straight man and then the yuck monkey. (laughs) But I'm jealous. Having Bill Burr on your team just for the comedic bits alone. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm interested to see what's going to, if he's going to show, he's, they have to, it's too, his appearance was too well received. It's uh, out of all of the stuff that happened last season. Yep. I would really say he like hit it out of the park on that one. And I can't see them not bringing him back to do more stuff. Especially because as far as we know, they just left that character in the jungle and be like, you're free to go. And he just wanders off into the jungle. Be like, I guess I'll see where the next, uh, the, the next local pub is like, yeah, where, yeah. Where's where's Boston on this planet? Yeah, yeah. What kind of games you got playing over here? <laughs> He's super into pod racing, I bet. Oh, oh I hope they bring him back. I, I really do want to see more of Migs. Yeah, definitely. But you'll be able to see him on my crew, <laughs> for Abs- sure. Oh, absolutely. It's great. So, so, so far so that, far on your crew, uh, you have, say it again one more time, on your crew, you have Shriv. I have Migs Mayfield from television, Shriv from the... Uh, Battlefront campaign video game, and I have the book version of Wedge Antilles from the old X-Wing books that have been uncanonized. That's right. And for me, from books, I have Quinlan Voth. From video games, I have Arvel Krynid. And from now TV, I have Quill. I don't know if he so, has a last name, but we're just going to call him Quill. <laughs> <laughs> so that means all our picks are here, so our pizza is here, and that means it's the end of the pod. Yes, my pizza uh, has the eggs that Grogu oh. was eating on top of it. <laughs> Don't judge me, though. They're they're kind of delicious. I, I was wrong about Grogu eating them all, but they are very tasty. <laughs> oh, man. So next week, I believe we are starting with the actual movies, right? Are we going to do a prequels character next week? Yeah, mo- movies start next week. We're doing prequels, original trilogy, and then sequels. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, interesting. There's so much to pick from from all the prequels. <laughs> we'll wow. Because I already mentioned them before. But... I, I think Mikey and I will be doing some uh, behind the scenes arm wrestling over some of these characters. <laughs> Who gets what? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's my favorite character. No, that's my favorite character. (laughs) No using your coin. 
Nope. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Kevin shot first. <laughs> so uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please let us know who you want on your Star Wars crew. Who is your favorite TV character from all of Star Wars? We want to know. You can let us know on our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Assuming Pod. Uh, just hop on there. Well, every time we put out a podcast, we have an image related to the podcast. You can just comment on there and say, hey, I like this guy. Hey, I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Captain Rex isn't that Santa Claus guy. We're <laughs> mad about that. They don't. We, they shouldn't change stuff. We want to hear from you, especially. I want to hear that argument. Uh, technically, uh, Rex could use three blasters, too. He just only has two hands. I need, I need that stuff, yeah. <laughs> if you want to write us something longer, you can send us an electronic mail. Assuming positions at gmail.com. We always tell you you should do it in a certain form, and Mikey picks it. What form should they do it this time? Uh, I want it to be an imperial email that we have to access from a terminal in the cafeteria that Bill Burr <laughs> was in. So we have to sneak in with Jinjar and, and possibly Bill Burr, but we have to sneak into a, a refinery establishment and steal that message. <laughs> Excellent. So send us that message and we'll get right on that. <laughs> once we break into it, yes. Yeah, once, once we break into it. Uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please share it with your friends. Tell your friends about it. Just have them listen to one of them. Find something they love, have them listen to it, and they'll keep listening to more. I yeah, guarantee yeah. it. I guarantee uh, it. I guarantee it. Wait, are we <laughs> men's warehouse? Wait, no, what's happening? <laughs> I thought I was being the, the that, that what was his name? The Cajun chef who did the Lay's Chips commercial. Oh, yeah. I Just, Justin. <laughs> Justin. I forget what his first name's Justin. I forget what his last name is. All I know is I used to love watching his cooking show because <laughs> he could he could measure using the palm of his hand. He'd be like, that's he'd be like one teaspoon. And, and it was Justin Wilson, maybe? I don't know. But one teaspoon, he poured that salt in his hand and then he'd grab a teaspoon and then pour the salt in his hand into the teaspoon to be perfectly level. Amazing. That's black magic. I don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, voodoo, it's voodoo Cajun magic. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> so we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Not Scott Productions for Equipment, Jazzar for Music, and we hope you guys have an excellent week. We have spoken. We have spoken. Wait, no, it's the Mandalorian flute song. <laughs>